Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. After 11 games of the 2021 NFL season, the Los Angeles Rams were 7-4 and four following a loss to the Green Bay Packers, losers of three straight games, a team that hadn't won a game since Halloween against the terrible Houston Texans, and before that beat the terrible Lions, before that beat the terrible Giants, before that beat the terrible Seahawks, before that lost to the Cardinals, and then before that, uh, in what seems like an era uh, way back when Friends was still on TV, not the reunion. The Rams did beat the Buccaneers 34-24, a win over a good team. That was the team that many people expected the Rams to be. Um, after all of the offseason moves, after a, a couple years of really just dumping so many resources into veteran talents, the Rams were the type of team that could beat the Tom Brady Buccaneers back all the way back on September 26th in week three. But when the Rams fell to seven and four, a lot of naysayers, a lot of skeptics, as they uh, nay to say, um, are out there just to say, hey, look, I thought the Rams would stink. I didn't like their moves for Stafford, this, that, and the other thing. At seven and four, that felt very justifiable, and a lot of questions could be raised about the L.A. Rams. But Hey, no matter what questions you may have about Stafford or the Rams today, you cannot deny that the Rams are 11 and four following a win over the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday in week 16 winners of now four straight. The Rams obliterated the Jaguars defeated the Arizona Cardinals when they were shorthanded with the COVID-19 list were even more shorthanded against the Seattle Seahawks a week later, beat the Seahawks by 10 points. And then today facing the Minnesota Vikings at seven and seven, desperate to get a win to ensure themselves of a wild card berth in the NFC playoffs. The Vikings at home with Kirk Cousins and uh, Justin Jefferson and uh, really the big missing piece there being Dalvin Cook, but still the Rams also were without some key players, including left tackle Andrew Whitworth and left guard uh well not left guard uh david edwards but uh back up because david edwards moved up uh and also without joseph Noteboom. so therefore david edwards had to move over but the big surprise here just that uh you know the rams did hold a pretty sizable lead there in the fourth quarter despite the fact that stafford did throw three interceptions and at the end of the day the rams are 11 and 4 in the nfc and in first place in the nfc west over the arizona cardinals and also going to the playoffs having clinched a playoff berth with today's victory the rams could even clinch the nfc west next week against the baltimore ravens a team that just got blown out by the cincinnati Bengals today so if the rams can get a victory next week and the Cardinals lose. It'll guarantee the Rams, the NFC West, who knows, maybe still a chance there at the number one seed. 
And no matter what uh, nays you do have to say, uh, I can guarantee you that the Rams would not be 11 and four with Jared Goff. They would not be in this situation of in being in first place of a very difficult decision uh, division. Uh, they made a difficult decision. Now they're first in the division. Um, and I know that they would just not be an 11, four team with Jared Goff as the quarterback, Jared Goff, surely Matthew Stafford makes mistakes capable of Jared Goff, but Jared Goff does not make explosive plays capable of Matthew Stafford. That's what we were able to see. Matthew Stafford is a clutch quarterback. He has a strong arm and he can, uh, you know, make good decisions under pressure. He also clearly can make really bad decisions under pressure. He's so talented, you know, with the no look passing and the uh, very good arm and uh, stepping up into the pocket. And he's so talented. Um, uh, it's like Patrick Mahomes now, you know, and rather than Patrick Mahomes of the last couple of years, it's like Patrick Mahomes. Now a guy who knows he's so talented, he's going to try and extend the plays and, uh, and believe in himself to such a degree that maybe he shouldn't, and maybe he should have some doubt and skepticism and maybe he, uh, you know, should have had a little more, uh, should have a little bit more tough love. Uh, couldn't we all use that? But the truth is that Matthew Stafford, um, also is now with a better team than he was over the last 12 years for the Detroit lions. He's now surrounded by a much better team. He has better coaching and um, he is now 11 and four. And yes, Jared Goff did lead the Rams uh, to a super bowl or uh, uh, was there as well, as opposed to maybe leading them there. But um, he was a quarterback who was capable of being the quarterback for a team that went 13 and three or 11 and five. And the Rams are here at 11 and four. You know, so if the Rams did lose to the Ravens next year, uh, next week, then it would be 11 and five. And you could say like, well, look, that was basically the team last year or the, you know, this was where they already were sort of at, you, you, that would be correct. Or the Rams could improve to 12 and four and then maybe 13 and four. And I just don't think that those were um, possibilities with Jared Goff, even though it had happened in the past. Um, as has been proven even more so uh, with the Detroit Lions this season. Um, Jared Goff just isn't capable of making big-time plays in the NFL. Like, you need to see from the top eight or nine starting quarterbacks in the league. And Matthew Stafford, to me, is one of those top eight or nine. And I know people quibble on maybe, like, certain attributes and the value of those attributes. I'm still a pretty classic uh, old school football person who I cares a lot more about whether or not you are a good passer. I'm not too concerned with the running of the ball and uh, making fancy plays and all that kind of stuff. I think this overemphasis on athleticism clearly has gotten uh, a few teams in trouble in the last couple of drafts. And I think that at least Matthew Stafford does have a little bit of athleticism, but uh, the really the, the thing that I like the most about him is that he has a great arm and, you know, he, even though he does uh, a few things that are very questionable under pressure, I also think that his mind is reading um, so many things that don't show up uh, like a, like an interception throws shows up, you know, I'm not saying that Matthew Stafford is Aaron Rodgers. Um, 
clearly there is a difference between Aaron Rodgers and even Patrick Mahomes or uh, Matthew Stafford, you know, it's there clearly there's a difference even in say uh, Tom Brady and certain other guys. And look, the quarterbacks you need to get ahead of in the NFC are Aaron Rodgers and uh, Tom Brady. And that was going to be a tall order for anyone, whether you're Kyler Murray as Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals just crater here in the uh, home stretch, it seems. Um, and Matthew Stafford isn't cratering in the way that Kyler Murray and the Cardinals are cratering. Although I guess uh, that is up for debate and let's get into what happened today on Sunday Rams Vikings, Matthew Stafford goes 21 of 37 for 197 yards, one touchdown, three interception and three interceptions. Can't forget the uh, plurality of the three picks, of course. Um, and especially because these are not interceptions that you could necessarily excuse as being somebody else's fault. Even Dalvin Tomlinson deflecting one of the passes that became an interception, you know, a deflected pass is not quite the same as say like an errant pass, but still as a quarterback, you need to be aware of uh, all of those things. Um, and again, I think we just don't give Matthew Stafford enough credit for the good plays because it's so easy to just say like, Hey, out of 10 plays, there's one horrible one, uh, two great ones and seven neutral plays, you know, to me, uh, that's pretty good because I watch a lot of NFL quarterbacks and a lot of them can't even get the seven neutral plays, right. You know, it's like three or four negative plays. And then that's something that uh, obviously showed up today for Stafford is bunching up a few of these negative plays and it, what the Rams weren't able to pull away and, and win by a blowout. Like they might've been capable of Matthew Stafford had no interceptions, um, but they were still up 30 to 20 in the fourth quarter and really in control of the game. So despite Matthew Stafford's interceptions, there was also the part of Matthew Stafford that helps the Rams uh, build and maintain a lead. And a lot of that does have to do with his supporting cast, especially today. Uh, much credit going out to David Edwards, who played a left tackle for the first time in his NFL career when Andrew Whitworth was ruled out on the COVID-19 list on Saturday. That meant that somebody had to step up at left tackle and it wouldn't be Joseph Nopum as Joseph Nopum was ruled out as well. And so David Edwards moves out from left guard to left tackle. Ch uh, Coleman Shelton, I, I, I've always uh, confused Coleman Shelton and Chandler Brewer, I think because a, both of their names start with a C um, they're both kind of, they're playing that uh, center interior lineman position coming in around the same ish time and uh, not really playing enough for me to co constantly remember. Um, and they both kind of have these uh, last name, first names, right? You hear a lot of two first names, but this is like two last names, Coleman Shelton and Chandler Brewer. Four last names as far as I'm concerned, but it was Coleman Shelton who starts at left guard, Brian Allen at center uh, as usual as he returns. But um, I thought that David Edwards did a uh, fine job. Uh, Matthew Stafford wasn't sacked today, but he was under pressure a few times, which led to the uh, interceptions, but wasn't sacked today. And David Edwards, you know, when I, I, I watched him and he would make a really great play, really great pickup on a, a move. Or a, uh, and then sometimes maybe he would get pushed back. But overall, I thought David Edwards did a really good job. And then uh, Coleman Shelton, you know, uh, also 
it, it would be hard to totally uh, ignore the fact that the Rams had maybe their best rushing day of the season. And also Matthew Stafford wasn't sacked. Um, although you also have to say, and people will say, oh, but the Minnesota Vikings are number one in the NFL and pass rush pressure generated. I'm sure that people will say that or have said it or are saying it right now. But you have to also take into account that Daniil Hunter and Everson Griffin were a big part of that, and neither of them are playing. And the Vikings, despite all their sacks, actually um, don't really have any fantastic pass rushers. I had said before the game that if anyone were to get a sack, maybe it would be safety Harrison Smith as their best pass rusher right now. Um, the other guy being DJ Wanham, a fourth round pick in 2020, who's been a good pickup uh, for them out of that draft class. DJ Wanham didn't have any sacks today. He did have one quarterback hat hit Dalvin Tomlinson. As I said, the big pass deflection that led to an interception. He also had two quarterback hits, um, Anthony Barr and Harrison Smith with a couple of quarterback hits. So overall, I would say there was definitely pressure generated on Matthew Stafford, but because as the reason that the Vikings aren't like this defense that we're talking about and really like, wow, like, because usually if a team is first in pressure and sacks, you know, that defense is one that we're talking about. Nobody's talking about the Vikings. Uh, they fall to seven and eight. The defense isn't very good, uh, bad even probably. Mike Zimmer's likely going to get fired. He might get fired after this game now that I'm even saying it. Because I think if you uh, break it down, um, the NFL, you know, they have this new thing where there's an incentive basically to fire your coach two weeks before the season, because that's when you can start interviewing candidates for the job. Now it's been a new rule change to protect these coaches who get punished for the fact that their teams go deep in the playoffs. So basically um, starting, I think this week, you can start interviewing head coaching candidates. And if you don't fire your head coach now, um, you're maybe losing um, an opportunity to talk to somebody before the Jaguars, the Texans, um, or the Raiders. Uh, oh, no, excuse me, not the Texans. They haven't fired David Culley yet. Uh, the Jaguars uh, obviously are a firing. And I've seen some of the names going out there, like Byron Leftwich is rumored uh, for the Jaguars, Jim Caldwell, um, and Doug Peterson were three names brought up for the Jaguars. But uh, for the Vikings, why are you running it back with Mike Zimmer next season? I would be surprised. And I, so to fall to seven and eight, it's kind of a, a reassurance maybe to Minnesota. But the, the problem being that the Vikings are not out of the playoff race. Uh, if they win their last two games, probably a good bet that they will get in. Um, so maybe they won't fire Mike Zimmer just yet. I, I just don't see what's the long-term hope here for the Vikings, if they, they keep going with Mike Zimmer, but um, overall, I thought, uh, yeah, I was, I would not say that Minnesota has a good pass rush despite their pass rushing numbers. I mean, it's just pretty, they have no Everson Griffin, no Daniel Hunter. So overall, I would say that the Vikings um, aren't the biggest threat, but also uh, David Edwards, Coleman Shelton uh, to come in there and uh, hold their own against them for the most part, kind of, uh, I would say good job there by those two players. Um, another good job, of course, for Cooper Cup, who has 10 catches for 109 yards. He has 132 catches, uh, basically almost 1,750 yards. I don't know if you, if that how you say it, uh, 1,750 yards, but you know, 14 touchdowns, didn't have a touchdown today, but he still has 14 touchdowns. So leads the NFL, uh, definitely going to lead the NFL. I'd say in catches and yards, 
Maybe there's some, uh, you know, somebody else can come in and they're on touchdowns, but Cooper cup, it is his 14th game of the season out of 15 games played um, with at least 90 yards, setting an NFL record for that. He could of course still challenge NFL records for catches in a single season and yards in a single season. Um, he would need, I think uh, a little over 200 yards next week. If he wants to break Calvin Johnson's record for 16 games. Um, but uh, overall, you know, just another game where you see that Cooper cup is, is playing at another level is unstoppable this season and having Matthew Stafford there, which again, I just don't, we saw Cooper cup with Jared Goff for four years. This never happened. He was always good. And he was always really good. You know, you say the inconsistency with his numbers likely heavily attributed to now we can say Jared Goff, right? And because he has more, I haven't even looked at this up yet, but he mean, he probably does. He has more 90 yard games with Matthew Stafford this season than he might've had with Jared Goff period. I mean, that's so crazy to think about how much maybe Cooper cup left on the table as a guy who came into the NFL at the age of 24, so already a few years behind some of his counterparts like Justin Jefferson there on the other side of the field today, but he came in at 24. So he's already 28 and it's just how much did he leave on the field? Maybe they're uh, not playing with a quarterback capable of giving him the ball this often. Of course, there are other contributing factors as I wrote about earlier this season on turf show times that must be leading to, to Cooper cups insane production. Uh, most of it has to go to the talent. You know, it's uh, it's like the big um, you want the, the number one rule for good search engine optimization SEO uh, as somebody who's been uh, writing, you know, for over uh, a decade here about football and trying to figure out the uh, good SEO, you want good SEO um, quality content, you know, that's it. You know, you put out quality content and that's your number one way to get people to come check out your website. Right. So, uh, the number one thing that people would be looking for with regards to why Cooper cup is having such a fantastic season. Well, don't overthink it. It's because he's fantastic. He's the best wide receiver in the NFL. He just also happens to have a quarterback and an offense more attuned and attributed to get him the ball a ton leads the NFL and target shares, you know, and Matthew Stafford doesn't even have to hide it from the defense. You know, it can go over there and say, Hey, Cameron Dantzler, Hey, Harrison Smith, you know, to the Vikings. Hey, by the way, going to throw at you on this next play. Good luck. It's going to Cooper cup. Good luck. And there's been nothing that the defenses or the defensive coordinators can do to stop it. So 10 catches for 109 yards, his 14th game with 90 yards, his 10th game of the season with at least a hundred yards, which puts him one behind the record. And so that's another record he can break if he does it two more times. Um, of course, with a slightly longer season and it is ninth game of the season with at least nine catches. Uh, and so he's right up there as the all-time leader, one of the all-time leaders close to, I think a couple more games, um, but right up there as, as much as anyone's ever done. So catches yards, um, not afraid to be, uh, the most, you know, there's nothing that the defenses can do to really slow him down. He looked, you know, that famous picture of Calvin Johnson being covered by two cornerbacks, uh, before the snap, you know, it's like, where they're just like, Hey, this is what we're doing. This is what we have to do to try to stop you. And he was playing with Matthew Stafford on the lions at the time. 
I mean, that's the sort of threat, danger, unstoppable, unstoppable dominant force that Cooper Cup is right now, um, as he has 132 catches, over 1,700 yards in just 15 games. Um, and it's uh, really something special to watch. Uh, maybe not as special to watch, but did have a touchdown today. I'm going to talk a little bit about Odell Beckham Jr. He had four catches. Uh, but he was targeted eight times. Uh, obviously, we also saw that Matthew Stafford had a really inaccurate, terrible, awful uh, pass to Odell Beckham that just fell and bounced in front of Odell Beckham's feet. So, you know, I'm not saying that this is all on Odell Beckham. Clearly, Matthew Stafford has something really special going on with Cooper Cup and nothing special going on with anybody else. And uh, Odell Beckham, so he just has four catches on eight, on eight targets, 37 yards, and a touchdown. Um, but Odo Beckham, his last, his last 90 yard game, by the way, Odo, uh, Cooper cup just set the record 14, 90 yard games. Odo Beckham's last 90 yard game was October of 2019. So it's been over two years since he's even hit 90 yards, um, over his last four games, Odo Beckham jr. Targeted 23 times. He's caught 13 of those passes for 149 yards, but he does have three touchdowns. This is not a dig on OBJ. I understand that OBJ was a mid-season acquisition. Also, nothing. Uh, there was no reason for the Rams not to make the move, and it's helping them. You know, he he's if 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 the Rams didn't need OBJ when Robert Woods went down, and obviously they signed. OBJ before Robert Woods went down. Um, but if there was no need for OBJ, then why isn't Van Jefferson picking up the slack? Van Jefferson was targeted six times today. He had one catch for six yards. Van Jefferson, I, I, I went through the uh, first four rounds of the 2020 NFL draft this weekend, just sort of like looking at like, Hey, how, how are things shaking out? Because that was such a crazy year for the draft and uh, in general, but I wanted to break down that and just say like, Oh yeah, how are these guys? Who are, who are the players doing well? Who are the players doing bad? Who are the players doing like fine or it's unclear. And you know, that's kind of like how I wanted to group everyone that was drafted last year. And when you get to Van Jefferson there and towards the end of the second round, I had to put him in like, you know, he's really on the edge. It's not saying I'm not saying he's bad because he's not bad. Um, but where is that extract of uh, additional value? You know, because he has a ton of opportunities. He also came into the league at 24. So he was old coming older, coming into the league. When Cooper cup came into the league, he was bang, ready to go. A firecracker. Uh, made explosion and ready to contribute right away as a rookie week one, you know, uh, Van Jefferson came into the NFL with a ton uh, going for him in terms of things that you would think prepare him for the NFL. And it didn't work out that way. Uh, and now here he is at the end of his second season. Uh, he's targeted six times. He gets just one for six yards. Um, there is a need for Odell Beckham jr. Because uh, you cannot say that Van Jefferson is stepping up. Other players went on injured reserve uh, at the wide receiver position. So it's a thin 
position based on all the injuries that have happened this year and the uncertainty with the COVID list and when players will go down. So I'm not disparaging Odell Beckham Jr. I'm also not really uh, putting him on a lot of pressure on him to do to, for him to do better. Uh, but it is interesting because when you have a guy with that name of OBJ who draws so much attention and there's such an expectation of what that means um, and he's only 29. Uh, so it's like, has he just all the, is the speed, is the, is there, is there anything missing? What, what are the things missing there from OBJ that you would have said when he was 27, well, in two years, he's not going to lose all of that, right? He's not going to lose all of that speed in, in a couple of years, right? He's not going to lose all of that talent in a couple of years right now. Not when you're 27. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see what his ceiling contributions can be for the Rams in the playoffs. And if he can be um, like a, a big time viable threat, or if this is just going to have to continue to be about Cooper Cup Matthew Stafford, uh, Sony Michelle, um, and potentially the return of Cam Akers here soon. We will find out. But just wanted to point out some of the guys who were not Cooper Cup and talk about whether or not the Rams are too one-dimensional when they get into the playoffs to face, you know, if it's going to be the Bucks or the Cowboys or the uh, Green Bay Packers or the Cardinals um, potentially the 49ers. Um, it'll be worth monitoring some of those uh, situations in terms of does anybody have a chance to slow down Cooper Cup? If there was any need uh, for you know two or three uh, th receiving threats, do the Rams have that? Uh, Tyler Higby today, five catches for 41 yards on six targets, and uh, Sony Michelle, one catch on four targets for four yards. Sonny Michelle did have 27 carries for 131 yards. It is his third game in four starts with at least 90 rushing yards. Um, I think it is similar to how productive Daryl Henderson could be and has been for a very short period of time in the past. Uh, but Sonny Michelle does seem to be just a better all around running back than Daryl Henderson. He has 422 rushing yards over his last four games, all starts here for the Rams. Uh, when he took over for Daryl Henderson and today is his, uh, I think career high, definitely a season high, 131 rushing yards on 27 carries with a touchdown. Daryl Henderson had one 17 yard run and Cooper cup even had a run. And then we also had the return of Jake funk to the backfield as he had a carry, uh, but he did return last week, but uh, Jake funk activated and, uh, We'll see if Cam Akers is activated for the playoffs. He is on the 53-man roster, uh, and the Rams have until the end of the season, into the regular season here, to activate him or will not be with him for the postseason. And by activating him, they have to make a decision and play him during a game. On defense, Aaron Donald had another sack. It is his sixth sack in the last four games and his 12th sack on the season. Um, if he has one more sack this season, it will be the second. Oh no, excuse me. He did have 13 and a half sacks last year. So he still, uh, get two more sacks. It'll be the second highest total of his career behind the 20 and a half sacks of 2018, but 12 sacks again for Aaron Donald. It's, it just becomes so routine as if to be ho hum. But you know, if you had a defensive tackle, you know, if Aaron Donald 
had spent his whole career, like say as a Sheldon Richardson or, um, you know, any uh, defensive tackle who just like plays very, very well at Brandon Williams or something like that, but doesn't get a ton of sacks. Um, and then all of a sudden here at this juncture, let's say Aaron Donald averaged three sacks per season. And then all of a sudden he had 12 sacks. You would go, wow, Aaron Donald is amazing. This is crazy. He's so good. You know, it's like, we do say that, but because he so routinely gets 12 sacks, it's like just another season for Aaron Donald. And yet if he wasn't the most dominant defensive player of his generation, then all of a sudden had one season with 12 sacks, we would go, man, put this guy in the front of the MV, uh, maybe the MVP conversation, but uh, in the front of the defensive player of the year conversation. And we don't say that about Aaron Donald, which is, I think, kind of surprising. Um, he might still win defensive player of the year and become the first player to have four of those awards. And he would be totally deserving. Um, today, there wasn't like a ton of like standout, Aaron Donald plays maybe, but he still comes away with a sack similar to Cooper cup where it's like, maybe even if you don't, he's not the guy you're talking about all day, he's still coming away with hundred yards and that's Aaron Donald, but on the defensive side. And uh, I think you could definitely argue that the Rams have the offensive player of the year, the MVP, the defensive player of the year um, on the roster right now in Cooper cup and Aaron Donald. And that is uh, one reason why the Rams are certainly in the conversation to win the Super Bowl. Um, like I said, I don't think the team can go 11 and four with Jared Goff, but I, and, and I do think that Matthew Stafford, uh, you can go back to a few of the games that the Rams have won and, and just attribute the reason why to Matthew Stafford. So today the Rams win, and maybe it was uh, somewhat in spite of Matthew Stafford. Uh, speaking of sacks from the defensive tackles, Greg Gaines with another sack today. He now has four and a half sacks on the season. That's as many as Sue had uh, back in 2018 next to Aaron Donald. Um, so pretty great production here from Greg Gaines, who will be a free agent next year. There's a lot of actually emerging players for the Rams or, you know, surprisingly good players for the Rams. will be hitting free agency next year. And maybe that just results in more supplemental draft picks for the uh, 2023 draft, which I don't necessarily covet as much as as, as much as uh, everybody else. Um, but uh, it's something to uh, compensate the fact that, you know, guys like Greg Gaines uh, will be free agents uh, next year, as well as um, some of these key offensive linemen, Austin Corbett, who I think uh, should have, or at least could have been a reasonable pro bowl selection this year um, and so on. The Rams do have some big free agent decisions to make, uh, but Greg Gaines emerging here on the defensive line, you know, last year, Morgan Fox had six sacks and uh, signed with the Panthers and, uh, that whole Carolina franchise is a, is a big disappointment, but, um, overall Greg Gaines, uh, and Morgan Fox isn't having a great year for the Panthers. Uh, I think a sack and a half. Um, but Greg Gaines, you know, is a guy that nobody's going to want to lose. And he does have four and a half sacks. Um, uh, and the Rams aren't even playing with Sebastian Joseph day. So think about how much bigger this, uh, and better this uh, defensive line could get. I think Sebastian Joseph day is still eligible to return, uh, a nice 
play here and some another nice game i think for ernest jones uh just a couple of tackles but uh showed some of that closing speed really enjoyed that traven howard coming in with an interception looking like a, a very nice coverage linebacker uh out there for the rams had a couple of nice plays in coverage uh taylor rap with eight tackles and he had a big tackle um, on adam Thielen to prevent a touchdown that uh, could have definitely changed the game. So uh, nice play there for Taylor Rapp, who doesn't get enough, or at least very often, maybe uh, positive shout outs. So there is a positive shout out for him. Jordan Fuller returning with a five tackles. Um, there were uh, some highlights definitely on defense and the Rams hold the Vikings to 23 points. Uh, Kirk Cousins threw for 315 yards, touchdown, interception. Backup running back Alexander Madison, 13 carries, 41 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, and Justin Jefferson gets his, as he often does these days, eight catches for 116 yards, 12 targets. I'm sure a lot of focus will be on how many of those uh, covered snaps belonged. Jalen Ramsey, maybe. Uh, That's the first mention of Jalen Ramsey today, so take that for what it is worth. Um, but the Rams didn't just come away with the 30, 23 victory. You know, it's one of those onside games where, uh, you know, the score is close, but the team needed to recover an onside kick, which, uh, is very unlikely. So, uh, and then once he even recovered the onside kick, then you got to score a touchdown, which the Vikings weren't doing very often. So, um, it wasn't like uh, a very close game, even if the score is 30 to 23 and the Rams, come away victorious 11 and four they lock up a trip to the postseason again and i think can feel pretty good about where they've come from that seven and four start to be 11 and four with the ravens on deck and a shot here to go 13 and four win the nfc west as the goal was in the beginning of the year um and we cannot discount the possibility of getting the number one seed although if the packers win their next game or one of the next two games, they'll definitely, uh, the, well, it won't be the Rams uh, getting the number one seed. That's for sure. Uh, if I'm pretty sure if the uh, Packers win any of their next, either of the next two games. Um, so Rams 11 and four, this has been the instant reaction show. I'm Kenneth Arthur. Go ahead and subscribe to this. If you thought that it was decent.